Hey, hey, it's the Product Highs Podcast. My name is Brian Castle. As always, I appreciate you turning, whoa, turning? No, tuning in today. <laughs> so today I'm talking to a friend of mine, Jason Schuler. He and I go back and we've, uh, I've been following his work and chatting with him ever since his WordPress days where he ran uh, Press 75, one of the early popular theme shops in that space. He's since sold that business and has gone on to design a couple different interesting concepts and ideas and just really focusing on simplicity and and minimalism. But more recently, 2017 into 2018, he and his partner, Chris Molitor, came together to build Rivet, R-I-V-Y-T, It's a really cool idea where you can basically just drop in your YouTube channel URL and it instantly generates a beautiful looking website, pulling in all of your video content and description and and all that kind of stuff. Um, I know they're expanding into other networks as well. So this was a really great conversation about how, you know, they came together with the idea and got the design concepts together and launched it to Product Hunt and, and learning from early users and what their next steps are as they're still thinking through you know, growing this audience and growing the customer base. Um, it was kind of a surprise for me to, to meet Chris. I thought I was just going to be talking to Jason today, but Chris just happened to be uh, in his office. They were doing some stuff. So yeah, he hopped on the mic as well. And I got the two co-founder interview experience here. So yeah, it's a good one. Enjoy this one. Talking to Chris Molitor and Jason Schuler. Enjoy. All right, I'm here with Jason Schuler and Chris Molitor. How's it going, fellas? Good, good. Good, hey. Good. So, you know, this is kind of a surprise for me. I thought I was going to be talking to just Jason here today, but, you know, surprise, we got we got a business partner here. I'm talking about Rivet and the things you guys started and, and kind of the, the backstory for both of you. So, yeah, excited to dive in. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks yeah. for having us. I'm glad I could hijack the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, you know, Jason, uh, you and I have, have known each other for, for, you know, going back several years now, although we've never met in person. One, one of these years we will. <laughs> one of these years. Maybe this year, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, you, you go back. I remember, you know, you're one of the, I mean, just for those who, who don't follow your stuff, you're like, I think you're a fantastic designer, really focusing on simplicity and minimal minimalist, you know, design for the web and and other things. But, you know, just going back, you were one of the in the first group of like WordPress theme shops and that kind of wave with Press 75. And since then, just doing a lot of interesting things. And so, I mean, the thing that really caught my attention in the last couple of months is the thing that the two of you guys have been working on, I guess you pronounce it Rivet, R-I-V-Y-T. Yeah. I mean, why don't we start there and start with what you're working on now, and then we'll, maybe we'll hop back into the backstory. But so what is Rivet? So Rivet is essentially a website platform, but unlike like the Squarespace or the WordPress, we're, we're trying to do something really specific in an automatic way. So for these YouTubers right now is what our platform supports that are, you know, building their channels and kind of building their following through YouTube. We've created this platform that just basically jacks all your channel information. You click a button and it will create a website for you automatically and pull all your content, your videos, your about text, your avatar and all that stuff in. And then you can just kind of toggle between the design selections we have and launch your website in like, I don't know, like a couple 20, minutes, 20 seconds, 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was the thing that just immediately caught, I think, anyone's attention when I saw it a few months back. I mean, it's literally like you you just drop in your YouTube URL and the whole site is just built out from there. It takes all your videos, pulls them right in. 
Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the things we wanted to solve in way of problems was we were always watching these Squarespace ads where, you know, they say, oh, you can have your website up in days or weeks, you know, and there's always the person in the background fiddling with their about page. And we felt like that we could do it easier because these people, they generally just need like a hub where they can point people to to get back to their content. And if we can make something where they don't have to fiddle with that content, then I think it's a win-win for everybody. Well, the other thing is content, the content already exists. Right, exactly. The content's already out there and all these other platforms. And we kind of thought, you know, it'd be better for us to manage the content and then let yeah. them just focus on creating the site. Yeah, it's like like a videographer, like they're creating videos. They're not trying to be a web designer, but they want their website to look great. Yeah, and I don't think they want to be a web designer, right? They want something <laughs> that looks good, but they don't want to be in an admin fiddling around with settings and text and images and things like that. And so I think that's the biggest problem we're trying to solve. And those commercials for Squarespace or, you know, like promising, oh, it's so easy, drag and drop, create your, your website in minutes, or even like the promise of WordPress, everyone knows it's not, it's not minutes. You know, it's so much more complicated and it never comes out as clean and, and great looking as it as it looks on the theme demo or on the commercial. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 let's not, you know, take away from how awesome these products are like WordPress and Squarespace. And they definitely they fit for a certain type of person who needs something more than what we're providing. And there's I don't think there's any getting around like doing the actual work for that level of a website. But you have for, to know what you're doing. You have to know what you're doing. And I, I think a lot of times people just hire somebody to do it for them. And we just wanted to make something where the actual creator could come in and do it on their own and have a website done in like five minutes from start to finish. So so is, is Rivet specifically for YouTube? Like, is that the one platform that you're built on top of? Um, yeah, I mean, we started with YouTube because I think um, Chris and I both have like that video centric background with WordPress themes. That's where we both kind of got our start. But um, it's also if you think about what you want to start your website with, video is the most rich media. It taps into visuals, right. audio. And so among all the platforms, it's the most rich. So we're kind of starting with that one and then with hopes of growth. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at uh, Twitch as another kind of platform to tap into because, you know, they're growing quite a bit in way of live video, live streaming and that whole audience. So I think we're going to tap into Twitch and we're looking at a few others, too. But um, we feel the brand kind of lends itself to being that that rivet, <laughs> quote unquote, between the content you're producing and the platforms you're producing on and your website. Your so personal brand. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. And, and I mean, you know, for listeners of this podcast, too, like this might be a little bit different from the norm, but, you know, we'll certainly get back into the backstory and I want to hear all about like the business and how it came to be and everything. But I'm just kind of curious, like today, who are the most common users of this? Like what type of is it like bloggers? Is it like bigger production companies? Like who are the big YouTubers who would see this as a value? I, I think we kind of figured that out over the last. So we launched back in August and we've kind of figured that out just over the last couple of months, I want to say. And we're, we're seeing Rivet as being the solution, not for like the Marquez Brownleys or the Casey Neistats who have already kind of established themselves. It's more for the up and comers, the people who are trying to grow their brand and maybe need that presence outside of the YouTube platform. Probably sub sub 1 million subscribers. Yeah. So the guys who are, you know, getting started or maybe they have a little traction and they and they want to, you know, put their brand out there on the web. 
I think we fit more with that market than anywhere else. Yeah, very cool. It's like, you know, because YouTube itself is like a, a massive search engine. That's where a lot of people and a lot of content just gets discovered. But then it has all these like arms, like you could embed videos on your own website. And even lately, like I've been getting into stuff, just checking out people on YouTube. I'm always clicking to their about to like check out their website to see like, all right, what does this person really do? Or what do they, what do they really want to put out to the world other than random videos that maybe they posted like five years ago? Like, yeah, exactly. But then you get lost, right? That's the other problem we're solving with YouTube is as a viewer, as a, as a content consumer, you're viewing these videos and maybe you find something really interesting and something that somebody's putting out, but then there's all these recommended videos and that takes you away from that initial video that brought you there to begin with. And before you know it, you don't know how to get back. And so we're, we're trying to solve that problem for these creators. If they were to send people to their website instead of their channel right off the bat, we kind of solve that problem of getting lost in that <laughs> rabbit hole of, of YouTube too for these content creators. Yeah, very cool. So yeah, I mean, like, why don't we kind of hop back a little bit? We won't go too far back. I'm not, I mean, there are plenty of interviews from, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like back in the day when you were working in WordPress. Right? So I'm just curious about like, I mean, Press 75 was, you know, the business and the entity that you were designing around back then. I'm curious, like, where did you go after that? After you sold the Press 75 business? What, what did like the next couple of years look like? What were you kind of focused on? It was kind of a hard one. I, I was dabbling with a few side projects, I want to say at the time, but I think the biggest kind of driving force for me to sell that business was my daughter was just born. I wanted to spend a little bit more time with her as she was growing up. And I, I just thought it was a good time to maybe take a year and kind of reset and play around with some different ideas. And then after that year was up, I ended up at another startup called Plasso. And so I, I worked for them for a little while and did a bunch of kind of product concepts and they got funding for a year and then lost funding the next year. <laughs> and so then I jumped out of Plasso and back into just freelance web design and then getting together with Chris to build Rivet as well. So I've been kind of doing like part time freelance and, you know, three quarter time Rivet, I want to say. <laughs> Awesome. And so like, yeah, Chris, like what's kind of your background? What, what have you been doing? Like, where did you start your career and get into this stuff? My my career kind of blossomed in ThemeForest. That's I was primarily selling themes on there uh, for about nine years, I think, and kind of saw my uh, the end of days there. I kind of wanted to do my own thing. So I attempted my own little project, which involves student crowdfunding and Turns out students aren't so honest, some of them, and I had issues with fraud. Uh, and complaining about that to Jason, we ended up working on this project. <laughs> when did you guys start, like, meet and start working together? Um, I think we met the first time, I want to say, like, beginning of last year. So, like, beginning of 2017-ish. To When we met? Well, what, to, to start talking about Oh, to about start Rivet. talking about Rivet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was about... Yeah, and, 2017. And then we actually started regularly meeting, I want to say, in March, uh, March and April of last year. Yeah. And that led to building the initial concept and launching it by August of 2017. Yeah. So we're, we're not even a year old. Wow. All right. So we're, we're going to get into, all, uh, I'm going to dig into those details for sure. So are you guys both in like the Seattle area? Yes. Yeah. Chris lives just what, I'm, I'm, 40, 40 minutes north of me. So yeah, yeah we're, we're within driving distance. It seems like all the people that I ever work with or collaborate with, 
they live like miles and miles away. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and, like all my friends on the internet who I ever like meet up with or do cool things with, it's a flight away. There's like nobody yeah. next door that I could hang out and <laughs> talk websites with. Nobody, like everybody around here doesn't even, has no idea what I do for a living basically. <laughs> I think the same was true for me for a long time. And yeah. I, I think just meeting Chris through the WordPress world and seeing the level of work that he was doing, I think it was always in the back of my head that I'd, I'd want to do something with him at some point. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was just therapeutic, too. When we would yeah. meet up, we would just talk shop, you know. Yeah. Have yeah. a couple of beers, talk shop. And yeah. <laughs> he was the only guy that I could actually vent to that understood my frustrations. So With the WordPress world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I understand that. So, all right. So, like, where did the initial idea concept for what became Rivet come from? Wow. I think I think we both kind of had the idea in the back of our heads. Mm -hmm. I had tried like doing a downloadable YouTube video centric product a couple years back called Cinematico, where it was kind of the same concept where you could plug in your channel ID and, and have a website for your channel. Was anyone else doing this? Because like when I saw the concept, you must have tweeted it. I was like, oh, it's so smart, so simple. Like, how is it 2018 and this hasn't been done already? <laughs> I don't, I, you know, Wix does it on some level where they, I mean, I think a lot of these website generators, they're kind of tapping into that API a little bit more these days, but I don't think anything on the level that Chris and I have done. But that's that initial Cinematico project that I did. It, it kind of failed. People didn't understand the downloadable aspect of it. Nobody knows PHP anymore. And <laughs> so there wasn't, there, there was this odd kind of, displacement, I want to say, with that product. And and then when Chris and I met early last year, he actually brought it up. He wanted to do something with video. And I'm like, oh, I want to do something with video again. And it just kind of well, broke out, of, out from there. Well, out of all the work that we've done previously with WordPress, you know, we would think of themes and, and niches to focus on. And the one that just kind of survived the longest in terms of interest was the video-focused layouts and designs. Right. And, they also were just kind of more fun to work on. and Yeah, I think so. And I dealt with downloadable products too, like Jason, and I kind of wanted to leave that world uh, just in terms of support. It was just a headache. And from start to finish, it was a long process. Right. Whereas with like a SaaS approach, there was the possibility for an instant experience, you know? Yeah. So, you know, for me th this year, I've gotten to a point, I feel like finally where I decided I need to start to learn to develop. I could design stuff. I could design ideas. I could design websites and I could work with WordPress a little bit and other stuff. But like I hit that wall when I actually want to take a product idea to functionality. I'm curious, like with both of you guys, especially coming from background in WordPress themes and designing for the web, like, well, first of all, who built all of Rivet? Like, are you guys designing? Are you guys developing? Like who's doing the back end, the front end? And how did you guys kind of pick up those skills as you went along? I want to say it's it's been a pretty 50-50 split at this point. Yeah. Chris and I both built and designed and developed the entire experience from start to finish. And we split it up in a really clean way between the two of yeah. us. So there's the the whole panel experience, with which is something that Chris kind of developed out early on. When Once you're into Rivet and you're actually managing your website, that whole experience of having that really nice sidebar and your site preview on the left and, you know, switching designs and adding logos and managing your text, that's all Chris. And I kind of took that aesthetic that he put together and kind of wrapped the homepage around to it and that whole onboarding experience yeah. of 
being able to search for your YouTube channel and literally just clicking the generate button and, you know, loading into that, that whole panel experience. So yeah, version 1.0, we actually required people to go and get their URL. <laughs> their URL. They had to go and find it, get the ID of their channel. And paste it, copy, it into a field. It. Yeah. And that was long gone. <laughs> and, then, and then Jason's genius moment was, you know, incorporating a search for them to find it and start from that point. Yeah. So you could tap into like the YouTube search, basically. Like. Right. Right. And, you know, I have this love-hate relationship with WordPress, but to be honest, I mean, we're, we're using WordPress as our back end. We're essentially using it as, as a framework uh, of sorts uh, to power Rivet. So for the actual app, not just the marketing side, but the... Yeah, for the app. So we're tapping into the user functionality, the theming functionality, all that stuff. It's, the site it's, management. The site management. It's all, it's all WordPress on the back end. Nobody would ever know that by going to Rivet or using Rivet. I had no idea. I was literally about to ask you, I was like, what's the tech stack on this thing? Like, yeah, I mean, it was the easiest way for us to... We could have hired a developer to do this, and we probably still we wouldn't still, have... We still might do it. Yeah, we still might do it for like an official V2, but... WordPress was the easiest way for us to take this idea and get it off the ground, you know, in a relatively short period of time. And for zero dollars. And for zero, zero dollars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we are a zero dollar startup for sure. Our biggest expense is hosting. Yeah. I mean, there's still clearly a lot of custom functionality built into this thing. Tons. Yeah. I mean, maybe WordPress is just the bones, but it's... It's the bones. Yeah. Um, so like the entire admin experience, it's all custom built, you know, front end there. You you will not see not even in uh, <laughs> a tiny bit of WordPress in, right. in our experience. It's all custom. But, you know, this this is something that I've been really curious about and, and just thinking a lot about this year, because, you know, as designers, like I just remember a few years back, if you come up from a graphic design background, you know, there's a time where it's like, OK, if you're a designer, you have to learn HTML, CSS. You can't advance in this industry without being able to code the front end of a website. But now, if you're designing anything for the web, HTML, CSS is not even enough anymore. Like, yeah, you need to get into JavaScript. You need to figure out probably some PHP or other stacks and figure out how to work with a database. Like, that's where I've hit a wall and I maybe haven't invested enough time to get up to speed. I'm curious about you guys, like coming from a design background, how did you start to really get into the more technical side of building stuff? I think it all leads back to WordPress again. I mean, yeah. WordPress kind of made it so easy to tap into that whole way of thinking, right? I mean, I learned everything I know to do today on WordPress. I mean, WordPress, I, I started playing around with it in 2007. That's how I built my initial following was by blogging about what I was learning as I was diving into WordPress. I need to jump in, though, because Jason's being a little too humble, I think. He, he learned <laughs> PHP and stuff from WordPress. But he, he took PHP a step farther from that. And I think that has been his his strength in this whole project. Yeah. Is his readiness with PHP and he knows he knows what he can build out and he, he has good ideas that PHP can facilitate because of that knowledge. Yeah, but it all comes from I, I still want to say it all comes from just playing around with WordPress, breaking things, seeing what other people have built and trying to figure out how it works on the back end and and just literally not being afraid to break something in order to make something new. I think that's how I've always kind of gone about learning something. I'm not I'm not like a textbook. I can't sit down with a book and learn JavaScript. I have to take something that already exists and kind of break it apart and figure out how it works. 
Yeah, and it's like you're breaking something apart, but it's a means to an end. Like you have a concept right. for something that you want to build. It's like, what do I need to figure out in order to make this thing happen? Yeah, and more often than not, there's there's an example of something that already exists out there that you could find on GitHub or something or some other location that you could use as a starting point for your own things. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because like there are a lot of designers out there who come from this sort of background of like you can make something look great on the web, but at least I run into this a lot. It's like you can become convinced that like, okay, I'm not a developer, so I should not touch backend code and <laughs> and I should leave I should leave that to the experts. I should hire developers, I yeah. should outsource it, I should rely on on the experts. And I feel like there's really something to be said to build up your skill set into like this like full stack product designer person, right? Like it maybe it's not for everyone, but like if you're a designer, it does pay to learn how to build your own stuff, at least to bring it to a version one. I think at the very least, it's it's beneficial to be able to take, like you said, a, an idea or a concept you have in your head and have enough skills to be able to maybe it's not done right, quote unquote. <laughs> I mean, what's right, I guess. Yeah. But to be able to have enough skills in, in your toolkit to sit down and actually build a working concept of what you want to exist out in the world. And I think the ability to do that has always been kind of my driving force for building things and seeing if I can make them work. And then if something works, then maybe you go to the developer and say, hey, you know, I built this thing. Here's how it works. This is how it looks. This is how I, I want it all to go from start to finish. And they can take that and say, OK, well, you did something right here. Maybe we can make something better here, you know, but the ability to make something on your own has definitely been key for me. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Like, have you always been like, are you like a front end first and then you figured out the back end or how did that come together? Yeah, I mean, I started out, my very first thing was Photoshop, playing around with designs and stuff. And I wanted them to become something that actually existed. So I, I got the HTML books, the CSS books, and then later I got into jQuery heavily, which is still kind of my go-to scripting language. And yeah, out of necessity for those designs to come alive, but I, I'm more comfortable in the front-end world, that's for sure. And I think that's probably why Rivet has a front-endy kind of feel to it. It's all managed in the front-end. and right. I don't like looking at 100% code. I want to see <laughs> what that code could look like on a screen. You know? Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Okay, so what, what was it, like 2016 when you guys really started to put this concept together? 2017. 2017. Yeah. I think we were just pretty much getting like off the ground last year in way of like having an actual thought process as to how we wanted this thing to be when it was finished. We Yeah, we had like weekly brainstorming sessions yeah. before a line of code was written. Yeah, we were just meeting at a cafe every week and kind of brainstorming and workflowing on paper what we thought this thing could be and whether we wanted to use WordPress or whether we wanted to, you know, bring somebody else on to build it for us. And so, I mean, in those meetings, you're talking about concepts. Are you talking about a business at this point or it's just kind of like a fun idea? Who knows where it'll go? No, we still I don't think the business is fully formed yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Legally, it is, but legally it is. But I mean, we always saw this as being one of those things where it's either going to you know, take off and go big or it's just going to be one of these hobby kind of side projects. And we hope <laughs> still hope. We're hoping that this community of YouTubers and content creators finds this really useful for them to extend their brand out on the web. 
And um, we're seeing some good progress in way of site generation. We've generated 10,000 sites. 11,000. 11,000 sites now. Wow. Wow. But um, there's still that business aspect of it is of, okay, how do we convert those 11,000 sites into, you know, half or the majority of those people being paying customers? Because we have this free aspect of Rivet too, which is what most people tend to go for at first. Yeah. 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 So like, how did you initially launch it? Like the very first show to the world? How did you get those very first users in the door? What, What did that look like? Product hunt. I think was um, we literally just threw it out on Product Hunt and we we saw a really significant yeah, increase really in response. Yeah, really good response. I mean, we had tweeted it out to our following, which is the wrong following, I want to say. <laughs> like Chris and I have a following on Twitter of designers and developers and WordPress makers. And those aren't our <laughs> that's not our end user. Right. So I want to ask about Product Hunt real quick, though, because like that, sure. that is another one for me that's like I've never I think it really is all about the idea and how well a product resonates. There, There is no hack or my approach to it is like there's no hack with Product Hunt. But uh, how did you get traction on Product Hunt? Was it literally you, you just logged in, you, you hunted it yourself or did you have somebody else hunt it or what was the well, we, we posted it. Yeah, we posted it. And then, you know, I I'm lucky to have like a lot of people in my circle, I guess, of friends on Twitter (laughs) in the virtual world who are nice enough to retweet and, you know, log in the product hunt and upvote it. And I think it kind of just grew naturally from there, the initial response we got from product hunt. I think uh, John O'Nolan made a nice remark. Yeah. Founder of Ghost and founder of Ghost, right? And that that kind of picked up some traction from that, too. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so these again, like John is is a guy I've known for quite a long time and we have a mutual respect for things that we do. And and so it's it's kind of those relationships that you've built in the past that you kind of rely on when you're building something new, I I think. And um, that definitely helps to build the traction a little bit. But um, we have a long ways to go. Um, We have a lot of work ahead of us, like our biggest hurdle right now is like shifting from, okay, now that all our friends know about it and maybe a bunch of other people that want to test it out, how do we make sure that the entirety of YouTube knows about it and that this is something that they can use to actually build their brand and, you know, in a really cheap and exciting way. So, so when you first started it, was it, was it completely free? Like you figured like you'd add pricing later or did you have any sort of model from the outset? We had a 14 day trial when we yeah. first launched it and we immediately saw that that just wasn't going to work. We ended up with all these stagnant accounts and just trials were being deleted. And so we, we moved away from a trial to a, just a free basic uh, website essentially that was limited and you can't even do a custom domain with our basic account. So like you would have to have a, a brian.rivet.com. And that's still the model today. And that's yeah. still the model today. But yeah. it changed It changed from a 14-day trial to a 24-hour trial so that the site will delete after 24 hours right. unless you sign up. Yeah, and we changed it so that you don't actually create an account at first. Um, so that's the other really awesome part about our onboarding right now. You can actually jump in create a website without even registering. You can jump in, play with the website, and then if you want to sign up, you can do it after you've played with the website. And that's that's kind of helped out quite a bit. Yeah. It, I mean, it helps us know that our users are actual users. Right. Yeah. But I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but if, did I see that, like, because you have that system in place where you could literally put anyone's YouTube channel into your thing and just make it look awesome through Rivet. 
So you could take these like big celebrities or big brand name YouTube channels and throw them in there and kind of yes. as like a PR thing. Like, has that worked for you? We've yeah. done that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's worked on some levels. And then some of the YouTubers are like, hey, man, uh, what are you guys up to here? <laughs> <laughs> right. So there's this like fine line of are you doing something that's OK because it's it's out there. It's accessible through the YouTube API. You don't need like a authentication to get this information. So it's like this fine line of being able to use this stuff and, yeah. and people being okay with it or being able to use this stuff and people not being okay with yeah. it. Like copyright is kind of a gray area with this Yeah, because we're promoting their content and we're promoting subscribing to their channels. And, but at the same time, some of this was unsolicited on their part. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of a yeah. weird. Yeah, I could, I could see that being a, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, from an onboarding standpoint of new users, yeah, it's pretty cool that you can just go right in there and create your whole site instantly without, you know, having the friction of signing up. And then you can decide if, if you go forward from there. And then like, what is, I'm sure, you know, obviously pricing can, can change at any time. But, like, what is sure. the pricing model? Um, you know, again, what we're doing is such a kind of a minimalist approach to a website and a website experience. So we honestly feel that the way this business is going to work is through volume. And so we decided that a $29 a year uh, price point was kind of like a good fit for that. That basically, you know, gets these up and comers a website for almost nothing, you know, <laughs> so to me, it's a no brainer, like, oh, I can have a website for 29 bucks a year, or I can have a website for 13 bucks a month, which one am I going to choose? You know, I would probably choose the one that specializes in in the content that I'm producing, you know, um, so that's kind of our approach to that. Yeah, and it, the price point also helps communicate expectations too. like, right. when they come in, you know, we, ha we have as many options as we think they need. But some people always think they need more. And that price point that we have kind of communicates what you can expect in terms of. Right. This is all about simplicity. This is like get something up fast that looks great. You know. Yeah. It communicates we're not a Squarespace. We're not a WordPress. We're we're something different. You know. So I mean, I'm I'm looking at the paid plan. I mean, it still looks like you've got some pretty solid features in there, right? Like, so it says like you could add products. How does that work? Is there are there like an external product, or are you guys? doing it like selling products through it yeah it's it's uh well we we noticed that a lot of these bloggers you know aside from the ad money they make on youtube a lot of it is referrals to amazon products using their amazon code and so there's third-party sites that they use where they basically make a collection of all the products they would recommend and they point people to this third-party website where it's all categorized and everything and we just thought you know well, maybe we should include that into the platform, make them give them the ability to attach products to specific videos they make. Right. That does make a lot of sense. So, you know, in the same way you can see how many comments, you can also see how many products associated with the video. Right. You know, it's great, like having something like this, because, you know, YouTube is so limited in the way that like the description, like there's literally no formatting in the description. So like you can't even link text. Like if you want to drop a link, you got to drop the whole URL in the description. You know? <laughs> well, and the whole premise of, you know, so like the whole URL for your channel, it's I don't know, it's really convoluted to me to be able to say, oh, check out my channel. And by the way, here's the URL. It's YouTube.com slash random generated, you know, 28 character ID. Whereas with Rivet, you could send them to Brian.com and have all your content there. And the call to action is really clear. Like the intention is to get you that subscriber, to get you that video view 
So we're not taking away from that. We're actually trying to just enhance that functionality of YouTube and get you more subscribes and more views because we're making it cleaner and clearer to consume. And then you're also pulling in like the YouTube comments and right. the core features of YouTube are still presented there, right? Right. But we also, you know, we kind of offloaded the commenting part. You know, you still have to comment on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Got it. So there's, there, we kind of drive these fine lines of, you know, do we want to become this, <laughs> this WordPress of YouTube or do we want to, you know, offload where it makes sense and just bring in that initial kind of view of YouTube content? So, I mean, like you're still like, you know, within the first year, it's obviously very new. Um, what does the feedback look like? And, you know, there's just two of you guys and you're both working on the product. How much incoming pre-sales questions or customer support questions are coming in? And like, are you seeing a lot of patterns with that? Like, is that? It's almost nothing, I want to say. Really? We do get some questions after the fact of like, they've signed up, maybe they've paid for the unlimited plan and and they come in and they say, oh, you know, guys, it would be really cool if I could do this or, you know, and it's usually like a little thing here and there. It's a wish list. It's a wish list of things. And Chris and I will kind of take that feedback and say, oh, yeah, yeah, it looks like something we could actually do. And it would make sense for a lot of people. Or if it's something that just makes sense for that individual, we, we usually just say, you know, maybe that's not going to be a good fit, you know, for Rivet. Yeah. I mean, like most of our features are the result of feedback requests. Right. Yeah. But I want to say support is almost nothing. Yeah. So I think we've done a really good job of making the product usable for these types of people because, you know, content creators, I don't know how much experience they have or not in the way of creating websites or managing websites. But I, I think we've kind of the level we've made this is it's a really usable product for pretty much anybody. So, well, it's also nice, too, because people who are focused on video creation, they're technically savvy. I mean, they have to manage those editing software, right? So they're they're more technically savvy True. than any yeah. of our other users that we had previously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, WordPress was a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get all these like local small business owners, mom right. and pop yeah. stores, and they yeah somebody tells them they need a website, but totally. I mean, a video creator is pretty technical. So. Yep. And I mean, the feature set is simple enough that it's like it does this thing, and you know, it's hosted on your platform. It's easy, right? Yeah. I'm curious about like. You know, because people think about software products launching new ideas and validating with users and doing customer research. But again, we talked about like you guys are kind of attacking this from like a designer standpoint, like putting this concept out into the world. Like how much, if any, you know, validation or or research into the market did you guys do or do you do now? Like any sort of. I, I would say it's it's largely based off of our past projects, right? Like. Right. So, I mean, like for me, I've done like commercially, I've done about 30 WordPress themes, right? And two of them were video focused, two or three of them. And over the lifespan, you know, that bell curve of success and decline of a product, those sustained the longest in terms right. of uh, revenue and interest. And you kind of hone those products as they yeah. do sustain. Um, and I think it was the same for me. I mean, my WordPress theme business got started in in that whole video centric world. That was kind of my niche for WordPress themes was video themes because nobody else was doing it back in 2007, 2008. It just wasn't being done. Everybody was focusing on blogs. 
And so I think that's what kind of carved my way into the WordPress world. And I think that's what allows me to develop something that I think other people would want to use in way of video centric design these days. So, But we still do some research, right? Like, so yeah. we check out some of these top 10 YouTuber guys and, yep. and gals and we'll go to their official site and we'll see it's just a single picture of them. With links to their social accounts. And, yeah. then, and then you look at the source and it's a Squarespace site. Yeah. So they're paying $13 a month for this essentially bio page yeah. of links. Just to have something on their domain. Yeah. 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 And so we're, we're actually in the middle of creating some designs that kind of head in that direction where it's not your content that we're focusing on. It's more the brand. So you can launch a, a page like that for 29 bucks a year instead of 13 bucks a month and have it hosted on Rivet. Love it. Yeah, I mean, like just that idea of like validating and customer research. I, I feel like, you know, people really focus a lot on that. And not that you shouldn't do that. I'm, like the more customers you talk to, obviously, the better. But after you've been through this a few times and you've done a few businesses, I mean, like you said, like one thing does lead into the next. Like you've learned so much from the things that you've done before that you go into your next thing with all this built-in background research and right. trends and, and like market information that, I mean, like, you know, because people stress out over that. It's like, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't have a hundred percent certainty that this will work. Should I spend any time on it? You know, at a certain point, you got to kind of follow your gut a little bit, you know? Yeah. And I think Chris and I still aren't certain that this is going to work, but I don't think anybody ever really is. It's yeah. still kind of like this gut feeling that we have that there is a market for this because the feedback we've had from our subscriber base is nothing but positive. I mean, we've heard from some subscribers that it's, you know, it's the thing they've been waiting for. You know, they've tried Squarespace, they've tried WordPress. It, it just got too complicated for them. I think we've had one canceled subscription. Out of, yeah. Out of, really? Just one, like one churn. Just huh. one. Just one. And so like there's this gut, like you said, this gut feeling of, you know, there's, we know that there is a market for this. I'm, I'm pretty certain of that, that there is a market for this. It's just that breaking ground aspect of things that you have to do with a SaaS startup of, of finding that audience and actually getting the word out that you have this product and that it's available now and that you can actually use it. Suddenly you realize why marketing is a, is, a thing. It's, it's essential <laughs> to launching something like this because it was different for WordPress themes. Uh, Chris and I had a different experience. I mean, that's actually something I wanted to ask both of you guys about is, is like looking at the WordPress market, even like especially back then when, you know, you guys were among the first really popular WordPress businesses. I mean, uh, not to take away anything from your products. They were great sure. and you had great work there, but man, that wave of, <laughs> of WordPress growth was, uh, I mean, how does that compare to, because I mean, maybe there is some of that today with YouTube and content being, sure, you know, larger than it was before. Like, how does that world of, of building something on the web then and that environment compared to what you guys are building now? I think we're still figuring that out. I mean, with WordPress, it was it was really, really easy. You had this platform that was in its infancy at the time that Chris and I were getting started. There was a growing community around it. And, you know, theme shops were kind of a small, small part of that. And so if you could build something along those lines and get it out the door, I think you stood a really good chance of building a business on WordPress. Whereas now, if you tried to do that in the WordPress world, I think you would have a, a way different experience. The marketplace is extremely saturated. 
you're not going to be able to just launch a theme and, and expect it to sell because you're sitting amongst, you know, millions of <laughs> themers and, and theme shots out there instead of just a couple. Well, a and handful. That, that dynamic changed too, because it was just a bunch of guys yeah. and girls like you and me yeah. where we kind of did the design development and everything. And now it's teams of people. Teams of people. Teams. Yeah. Yeah. And so in back then in 2007, 2008, 2009, you could literally, you know, make a theme and tweet it out on Twitter and you would make your sales for the day. I mean, it was that easy. And just the growth in, in users of WordPress. Yeah. You know, yeah. And Twitter is even like the tools that you use to market your product are different now, too. Twitter is also saturated. Right. So you right. you have these extremely saturated, you know, things that you use to try and market what you're doing, but it just doesn't work the same way it did in, in, you know, 10 years ago, it's quite a bit different. And so Chris and I, it's like a whole new world to Chris and I, where we're, we're trying to learn how to actually market a product after it's being built. Well, I think one of the advantages today, though, is that you can go into these really tight niche sub markets like right and even not not that you have to commit to one niche forever but that could be a way in i mean talking to like nathan barry about how how he grew convertkit by following like just start like he didn't do this from the beginning but then he he learned that if he focuses on bloggers and then focuses on mom bloggers and then food bloggers and then fitness bloggers you know you can start to infiltrate all these little groups and today probably more than before they were they're way more connected they're talking to each other they're you know they're in these communities and i think that's the same path we're going down now whereas you know we were trying to reach out to these big name you know vloggers on youtube with millions of subscribers and of course i mean getting a hold of one of those people is pretty difficult whereas if you start reaching out to the people who are like i said just getting started the people with 10,000 subscribes or 100,000 subscribes on their channel they're more likely to get back in touch with you and say, oh, yeah, this looks cool. And, you know, maybe we can work together. And so we're trying this um, right now. Uh, we're actually making a series of videos to reach out to these people uh, to entice them to work with us and helping to market this thing in a more organic way where, you know, maybe they use it for their website. and Maybe they mention it in one of their vlogs and, you know, we kick back a majority percentage of that initial subscription back to the creator. So that's that's kind of our strategy right now. Awesome. So Chris, Jason, thanks thanks for doing this. So yeah, obviously the you know we're talking about Rivet R I V Y T. We're gonna get everything linked up in the show notes. Again, I just think it's really cool what you guys are building. It, it's not just a great looking product. It, it really looks like a useful product for anybody who's creating you know video content and other types of social content. So yeah, awesome stuff, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. See ya. Later. All right, now before we wrap up, let me ask you, what'd you think of this one? Was it good? You learned something? Are there any other topics you'd like to hear me cover on this pod? Well, let me know. No, I mean, really, like, let me know. Hit reply on any of the emails that I sent you. I'll read every single one. I try to reply to everyone. What's that? Oh, you're not on my list yet. Okay, well, head over to my site, productizepodcast.com. You can get on my email newsletter that way. I'll send you you know, new episodes and all the show notes, but I'll also send you my newsletter where I share all sorts of articles and other insights on entrepreneurship, building products, productized services, software, SaaS, and other cool stuff there. So yeah, check that out over at productizepodcast.com. And of course, if you have a minute, 
I'd really appreciate it if you could head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, or at least just five stars. You don't even have to leave a review if you don't want to, but that would really go a long way to helping other folks like us find this podcast. So yeah, thanks a lot for tuning in. I'll talk to you on the next one.